Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to Cellar Dwellers Home Winemaking Talkcast with Dave Nelson and the other guy. Hey, we're back. So that's what you look like. <laughs> We've been off the air so long, I can't remember how to run the board here. You know, it, it's funny. All these computers and... Uh, a mixing board and all and microphones, all this stuff, and it's all through this thirteen dollar phone from Walmart. <laughs> You're giving that thing way too much credit. That's a uh I don't think that GE phone is ten dollars. Oh but my goodness. Boy, do we sound magnificent. Hey, uh look at who's joined us. We got uh Dr. Matt with us and Alpha King, despite the fact that we just sent out the invitations just moments ago. And uh, over on our uh, Ning site, which is really where everyone should come, you should come to sellerdwellers.ning.com. You can post some photos, like Tim. Hey, Tim, we love your uh, new photos. Love the love. That must be his son helping him out there. Love that. Yep. And Michael uh, Harpal has uh, just joined our uh, sellerdwellers.ning. That's n-i-n-g.com, and uh, posted some uh, phenomenal photos. I like this one right here. This must be, uh, I don't know, wife, girlfriend, mistress. Something like that. Secretary. <laughs> <laughs> I think they... Oh, not, oh, they, oh you did say mistress. Sorry. No, no, no. no. They're now known as administrative uh, assistants. We yes. don't use the word secretary yes. anymore. We've got a lot of great interaction going here on Ning. And, by the way, we've probably been doing a really bad job of mentioning our email address, which is sellerdwellers at talkshoe.com. So we'd love to hear from you via email. Um, how do I just get signed out of that site? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. We're going to have to go back. Don't want to uh, have to struggle with the technology here tonight. Try to keep this simple. So I am Dave Nelson, and you are the other guy. And when was our last show? It's got to be like three or four weeks ago. I'm it's I'm gonna wild. have to I'm gonna have to look that up really quick while you ad lib. Well, don't forget, the more you drink, oh yes, true, the better we the sound. The better we sound. So unless of course, <laughs> unless of course. You're a, you're a Republican in Allegheny County <laughs> running for office, and you don't have a you don't want to give away you have a snowball's anything. chance in you hell of winning. You know, I used to think Mexico was bad. The uh, PRI had ruled in Mexico for I think it was 71 years before. Was it? Uh, here's my ignorance, but wasn't it Vin- Vincente Fox who finally knocked off the PRI? I don't know, something more or less like that. I don't know if there was someone before Vicente. There might have been somebody right before him, but uh, PRI had ruled forever. And, uh, you know, one-party rule is not a good thing. And here we are in Pittsburgh, a little bit north of Pittsburgh, but we have had the Democrats in power, I think, for approaching 75 years now. Yes. Let's, come on, voters, get out there and... Did you know our turnout was like 10%? Oh, I didn't hear the turnout. Oh, it was This, this was uh, just oh, a week ago today. Just, yeah. just a week ago. I didn't know it was that bad. Oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. 
Well, my, so our, our last show, by the way, to answer the question was October 16th, and, and today is Tuesday, November 13th, so, so it's all it's almost four weeks. Yeah. And the, the previous show to that had been uh, September 18th, we, so it was another four weeks. So, you man, we've got to get back on this horse. You've grown. <laughs> but, Since you know, I saw you it's, it's not good for your waist to grow. It's, uh, yeah, is it vertical it or horizontal? Yeah, exactly. I think it was all that, uh, you know, the good Italian food we had on the mm. trip. And uh, I've been traveling like a madman. I went to California twice uh, in uh, October visiting a bunch of venture capitalists. I was in uh, Vegas last week for a, uh, a trade show. I'm happy to say that I came home with $350 of the casino's money. That's always Cool. Thrilling to come home with some That's of their money fantastic. as opposed to leaving some of your money with them. Of course, I you know, spent some on food and lodging and so on. But uh, here we are, Dave and the other guy, Tog, back on, back on the air. Back on the air. It's good to be here. And, you know, uh, the, the thing that, uh, that I wanted to bring up about our trip that we did in Italy uh, a month or two ago, since I'm back, we talked about this before, it really changes how you approach food, and wine. Um, you know, it really changes your eating habits, but it's harder over here because you've got all this junk around all the time, around your house and junk food and fast food. And, and um, I don't know if we had mentioned it on the last show or not, but the slow food movement slow. Slow. Slow, started in that Occitan region of Italy where we were, and mm-hmm. I just thought that was hysterical. But it's harder to do here to find good, to get good fresh Bread, even uh, regularly, there are some places, but um, uh, it, it's just a different um, different way of looking at it. And um, I, I have I'm going to share a little news with some home winemaking about that later in the show. Well, you know, I know exactly what you mean. I've been so much more I, I don't know if the word is sensitized or just sort of lit up passionately about food, especially fresh ingredients, wonderful tomatoes and you know organic lettuce and a really good high-end olive oil and balsamic. And, um, you know, yesterday, after work, I went to one of our local grocery stores, and I just wandered through the produce aisle to figure out what I could find and uh, end up with uh, some king crab legs, which are always pretty good. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that was Italian or not, but, man, did we have some good king crab legs last night. Hey, Tim, welcome to the show. We're uh, thrilled that you are here. And um, I also see we have a... a Gentleman or lady, uh, probably gentleman, who is called in A H L D E R A A N. Actually, you know what? I've got to um, unmute this person real quick and say, "Welcome to the show." How do we say your username, or or how do how do you want to be referred to, Mister uh, Halderon? Halderon. Something Halderan. like that. Well, welcome to our show. Well, however you want to be called. Um, it's a mystery. Let us know. <laughs> All right. Come on in to talk to you live and give us some a phonetic help on your uh on your username. So um what are we what are we drinking tonight? Uh this is a real, real treat because three years ago we were biking through Sonoma and uh out of Healdsburg as sort of the main base. And uh what was it the second day when we were out on our own after John right. gave us the map and said, you know, go out and on our bikes, get lost yourself. Touring we around, yeah, we found this in winery, to Hop the Kiln. Hop Kiln Winery, and, and uh, we we so enjoyed those wines back then. And I found this not locally here in Pittsburgh, but I actually found that in uh, New York uh, when I was up at the U.S. Open, the tennis. And wow. Bought, and bought. They only had a couple of bottles left. I bought it, 
And uh, what's the name of this one, Dave? Well, this is the Hop Kiln uh, Big Red, a California red wine. It says a proprietary blend. And I think there are two incredibly cool things about this. One is that it is a blend. In fact, uh, what do we have here? We have um, 52% Zin. So I, love the, I love this blend. Yeah. Yeah. Starting, in fact, our gold medal winner last year was, I think, 44%. It was a very similar. Exactly. Hit it hard with the Zin. That's sort of the dominant flavor. But then it has 18% Cabernet, Cabernet Sauvignon, I should say, 16% Syrah, and 14%. How do you say this one? You got the the pronunciation guide right there, passionate one. I'll throw it to you. I am passionate. I love to pronounce things. I was going to say, Carignan. You can knucklehead. Um, Carignan. 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 Yeah, uh, I never heard of that grape. Well, uh, so that varietal. I don't know if uh, Elf King or um, oh, we might have lost him. Oh, no, he's there. Uh, if or Doctor Matt, if you've heard of that, Carignan, spelled C-A-R-I-G-N-A-N-E on the bottle, but it, there's no e in our little uh, uh, dictionary. Well, uh, so I was saying there's two things I like. It, it is a really interesting blend, but the other thing is, and we've been doing this ourselves, so it's interesting to see the professionals starting to copy us. You can look all over this bottle, and there is no uh, vintage date. So it uh, you have to look real hard for the alcohol. It's 14.4%, which is nice. That's you know hitting you pretty hard. But it doesn't say what year it is, and I believe that that means that it isn't any specific year. They're blending cross years. And this year we did a um, a master blend that had seven different uh, varietals in it, grapes, if you will, with, uh, what, three or four different years. So we were pulling vintages and grapes from all over the place to make a blend, and I think that's going to be one of the finest blends, finest wines we've ever produced. And I, I love the fact that you don't constrain yourself to a you know particular year. Well, think about it. I think the way a, a wine like this comes together, it's only logic. You you make all of your varietals each year, but some years you're going to have more or less of one or the other. You blend that year, but now you still have you know a thousand gallons or five thousand gallons, whatever it is, in a commercial winery left of something. And the following year, you do your blend and you end up with you know a thousand gallons or 20,000 gallons, whatever it is of that. So you, you've you got one from the previous year. You've, you've blended together, and, and from what we uh, folks have shared with us, you have to, um, uh, to call it a specific year, it has to be 70% or something like that of that year to call it that vintage. And so obviously you look at the percentage of this, well, they don't hit it, so they don't have a, a vintage on it. But I say more power to them. I, oh, I, I do love too. the I love idea it. of going out and getting the best wines to blend, you know, across years. And maybe this isn't so important for the, um, uh, you know, the professionals, but for the home winemaker, you can't make every varietal every year. And so I think this is a phenomenal technique. Um, you know, if you're making any kind of quantity, save a gallon or five gallons. Here, you know, I'll, I'll just take you down there. You can now cough as loud as you like. You're off. All right, you're I'm back. back. <laughs> you're back on. I'm now. back. Uh, you can't make uh, you know everything every year, so save five gallons of you know the cab you made last year for blending forward with a Syrah or Zin yeah, you're making this year. And that's what we we've decided to do. Um, even though we could have used up everything from our 06, we purposely kept uh, what a good 10, 15 gallons. Yeah, I think um, we got 15 gallons of the 06 yeah. that we're carrying into. Oh seven, and yet we're still happy to go back and grab a couple magnums of you know this or that from oh five or oh four, and uh, you know use it for a little bit of blending. So uh, lots of lots of fun stuff. 
Lots All right. Well, so I got to say um, that you really um, ruled bringing in the hop kiln this year. Uh, cool. Uh, if you can ever, if you can find the hop kiln in your local wine store, pick some up. Oh, the they make Zin, a wonderful Zin, which this is mostly Zin, but percent alcohol. Yeah. That's uh, it's a kick butt Zin. Yeah, really, uh, but a nice flavor, uh, very intense. What are you getting out of here? Cherries. All anyway, the thi- all the things you'd expect. I mean, a predominantly. Uh, uh, Zin blend, you know, I, 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 it's thick and dark like our. It's like ink. I love it. Um, yeah, the the cherries, a um, little bit of raspberry, a little bit of smoke flavor. Certainly the nice spice from the Zin. Very good. Excellent. Hey, I think Tim has a split personality here. Hey, Tim, is that you out there now? Um, as both Tim and uh, this yeah, a Halderidurian. Sounds like um, you've but, got uh, some kind of wacky thing going on on your uh, talk show client tonight. What, are you a Muslim yeah. now with that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Tim signed up for this ID. So, Tim, how are you doing? Good. I'm going to have to log back in, though. I am um, I have two, basically it sounds like two streams are coming in. Oh, well, you're sounding good to us. So, uh, uh, you know, I, that's... Uh, Here's what's going on. You actually just can go to your TalkShoe Live client. Since you're on the phone and in the TalkShoe Live client, you can just, the streaming audio, there's a volume control at the bottom, and you can just slide that all the way to the left, and that'll turn off one of your streams. You probably couldn't understand anything I said oh, <laughs> because yeah. they're duplicated, okay. but hopefully that'll make it a little better. Hey, Colin, welcome to the uh, welcome to the Cellar Dwellers show. We're so happy to be on the air. And Dr. Matt, DDS. Hey, so Tim, what have you been making this year? Uh, what have I been making this year? Uh, right now I have um, see Old Hill Cabernet that's going through extended maturation. Uh, I have Merlot. Uh, the, uh, your Cabernet. Uh, you said, Merlot. Your, your Cabernet. You're doing an extended maceration. Yep. And so it's tell us a little the, bit. Of, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, how extended are you talking, and what are you doing to protect it from oxygen? Well, I don't know how extended we're going to talk. Total right now we're on day 16, and uh, I've read anywhere some people it takes up to 42 days, 45 days. Some are within 30, 20 days. So well, what are you well, trying to accomplish? On. Yeah, why is it? You, did you just have a, a well, very high uh, sugar content or, or slow no. fermentation or what? What I'm trying to do is get. Uh, I was reading about this before. Is that extended maceration is supposed to help smooth out the tannins? So mm-hmm. instead of having a a real uh, kind of like a fine green tannin wine, you get more of the velvety tannins. And so what it does is it helps if you let it macerate on the skins and the seeds for X number of days, there's a process during the time where the long chain, the short chain tannins turn into long chain tannins, which are smoother. And uh, this is totally, I've only read about this, so this is my first attempt at it. So we'll see how it goes, but... Uh, and are you monitoring the um, the level of fermentation at this point? I mean, like, where are you in the process? This this right now, it's it's completely still. I no longer have a cap at all, and it's I get on there once a day, and uh, I'll t- do a small tasting of it because you're supposed to taste and kind of take notes. And once the uh, you should taste the tannins go from that the kind of grainy tannin to the more velvety tannin, and that's when you press. And, and uh, just out of curiosity, you said there's um, you know, the, it's no longer fermenting, uh, so the cap yep. isn't forming anymore. The grapes don't float to the top. 
Um, yeah. Is it fully fermented? In other words, you don't have like a stuck or partial fermentation. It's done. It's at 0.99 something specific gravity. Oh yeah, it's completely done. I checked with the Quintessers. Uh, no, basically no residual sugar in there at all. Excellent. And uh, what are you doing, if anything, to protect? Hopefully, something to protect it from oxygen at this point. I have a argon tank that I uh, just bleed a little bit of argon gas into a couple of seconds worth every time I take the top off. And then I just seal it. I have a, my plastic fermenter. I basically put an airlock on. So I bleed it. I fill it up with the argon gas, which is heavier than air. And so that'll sit above it. And I put the uh, close the lid and put the uh, thermal lock on top so that no air can get in there and doesn't get disturbed. Did you did you tweak your uh, or use a different yeast, a, a slower acting yeast for this, or was your no. fermentation done in a week or ten days and you're just letting it? Uh, break down and the skins and everything break down more. Yep, uh, the, the fermentation was done. I used uh, D21 and R and um, D254. I uh, used. I got two different batches, and uh, so I used each. I used each one of those yeast on each batch. Fermentation was done in about about 14, about 12 to 14 days is when the cap finally stopped coming to the top. So it's uh it's been done for a couple of days now. Are you and, still uh, doing any punch down after, now? I just give it I give it a stir once a day. After I taste it, I stir it up. So it's basically like you're stirring the leaves, but there's the seeds and the uh, and the skins are there. And from what I've read, the the actual you really don't get more color extraction, and the actual tans that you're getting here aren't coming from the skins; they're coming from the seeds itself. So it's uh. It's kind of an interesting process, and it's my first time at it. And uh, I posted a, a blog out to the uh, on our site, the Ning.com site, to see if anybody has done it before. But I haven't heard anything good. back yet. Good. Yeah, we, I'm glad you called that our site, by the way, because it really the cool thing about Ning, and you know, there's no particular. Uh, it's just something we discovered. Uh, no particular relationship between us and them, but. Uh, Ning is, is a site that's really shared by everybody. So I see you've posted some photos there along with some other folks. We've posted yep. some of our uh, photos. By the way, what is it, since you're still um, uh, macerating your Cabernet, what is it you're pressing in those photos? Are those from this year? Yeah, that's, uh, let's see, I had a batch. It's either my Pinot that I pressed there or Merlot. Hey, 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 hey let's a... keep this clean, buddy. <laughs> this is a family show. We don't want you pressing your Pinot here on yeah. live. That was a soft press. <laughs> um, it didn't take that long either. <laughs> By the way, I see you got was, a great... It was a short press, oh, too. Oh, man. This is a family we're, show. We're losing our family show yeah, very fast. I, I do see that you have one of your uh, family members, your child prodigy, pressed into service there in your yep. uh, uh, that's operation. Great. Yeah, that's really it. cool. Yeah, that's my oldest. We just actually, uh, last week, I, I was surprised I... I was able to make this one this week because I thought we were gonna have one last week, but um, last Monday my third child was born. So oh, I, congratulations! I yeah, absolutely. My, In fact, we were gonna read my. No, we we're gonna read your email. Uh, you just, uh, in fact, I'll read it right here. Um, actually, I think I have to play 
it's in my union contract. After don't we have a <laughs> listener email thing? No, we don't have an email theme. Okay, so it hasn't been that long since we did. <laughs> I thought we had an email theme. No, we don't have an email theme. Yeah, Dave made us an email theme. Here's the email theme. Yeah, what you Dave, read the emails. All right. Yeah, Dave made the email theme. We got to go find that. Okay, so we're missing our email. David theme at the moment, sent us an email theme. Yeah, remember that's the one. This. Special, I don't know. I'll go looking for it in a minute. But Tim, Tim did write that. in for everyone else's benefit. A little busy with the new addition to the family. We had our third child on Monday, and this was uh, written on Friday the 9th of, of November. Uh, Monday the 5th, a little girl, Ella Claire. She and Mom are home now doing well. I guess I need to change my details on TalkShoe to be three kids instead of 2.3 kids. Hope all is well. <laughs> and we're thrilled that you're here for the show. And congratulations. I mean, you are going Thank above you. and beyond to be this deep into winemaking and showing up on the live show when uh, your little daughter is barely two weeks old. Cool. Or barely a week old, I should say. Wow. Yeah. Well, congratulations. That's cool. Well, you're going to have to keep us posted on how your uh, short tannins turn into long tannins and if the whole thing works for you. It does sound like you're being very careful with uh, oxygenation. So that's uh, you know that's, that's really good. That's a big thing. You know, one thing I, like I your would argon say, process. how long, Dave, was our... Syrah fermenting, or uh, it, actually fermentation was going on for that whole time, but by the time we pressed that, it was really different because you really are starting to get the, the, the lees, getting the, the dead yeast cells into the press, which we really didn't know as much before, and it made pressing a little mucky. I mean, we, it made it harder to get uh, pressing just the skins and get that, you know, that, that solid wheel that we usually get in our press. It was kind of it was a little sloppy. Well, yeah, especially that second press on the um, the Syrah. So right. well, let's the, the talk cab, about the cab was pretty normal. Our cab our press was was pretty normal. Right, but we had press. a bit of an adventure with the Syrah. Yeah, we've had, First it's of been all, an interesting year. Yeah. yeah, California was extremely hot this year, and we got our Syrah like very late because we were off biking through Italy when you know everyone else was getting their Syrah. Oh darn. Yeah, exactly. What a shame. Uh, the grapes came in late, and they came in very hot. I don't think we've ever had uh, such high sugar grapes. We had 26.3 bricks, or 26.3% sugar, and we decided to ameliorate, which is to, to add water to you know reduce the percentage sugar, and so we knocked it down by about 1%, but we're still dealing with better than 25% uh, which is, sugar. Which is high. Yeah. And so I don't know if it was that or whether we were just a little hot on the um, potassium metabisulfites or whatever, but the yeast got started slow. And, I mean, this was RC212. That normally flies. That's, a, that's a, pretty much a no-brainer for, for most things. in yeah. a week or, you know, 10 days at the most. And this, this dragged on to uh, approaching three weeks before it had finally burned out all the sugar. And, you know, so we... We were just careful to, uh, you know, continue to punch it down and minimize oxygen exposure. Although, you know, we also had another problem that uh, we've never experienced before, uh, where early on we were getting some hydrogen sulfides. First few days. Very stinky. Yeah. And uh, And we've talked about that on the show. Yeah, it wasn't really strong, but that hydrogen sulfide coming off of there was a little bit scary. And so we, um, that can come just from being... um, sulfured too late in the vineyard or, uh, you know, your yeast decides it's going to do something a little different, or maybe we had a different yeast in there, you know, along with the RC212 early on. They could have got a head start, a yeah. A head start, right. But, but uh, what, from what we've heard, though, from feedback is that they're surprised for the number of varietals and years we've been doing this, that this is the first time we came across it. Perhaps we've just been lucky. 
But it was a little scary having you know, these beautiful grapes in your fermentation vat. And 520 this, pounds of yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, 12. Premium Syrah grapes. You know, $1,500, $1,800 worth of grapes sitting there smelling like uh, rotten eggs a little bit. But it worked, it worked out. out. But right. tell, but let's but share what we what we did. One of the one of the solutions is to, to actually get add some a, oxygen. Add some oxygen, right? And right. so we uh, we did that. We we took um, a big stainless steel bowl and uh, we'd lift a bunch of wine out and dump it back in and we. But what put was some no no no? Get to the really brilliant solution <laughs> we came up okay. with. Don't well, tell them we, the dumb thing we. you did. Tell them the brilliant <laughs> thing. I showed up on a Friday night with this. It was ingenious. The passionate one. I'm going to patent this. It's okay. so good. I must say that you were just a little bit of a genius on this. <laughs> That's better than a short press the, of the, your Pinot. The, <laughs> the passionate one went out to the local PetSmart or something equivalent. Petco. 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 Okay, Petco. Let's get the name right. And um, acquired for on the order of ten dollars a uh, one of those little aquarium oxygenation uh, yeah those little pumps. aquarium pumps Just right pumps and there. so he uh, he plastic breaks tubing. it down into the basement with the plastic tubing we stick the tubing down in the bottle in the bottom of the uh, the Syrah with the hydrogen sulfide uh, defect and let it bubble a little air bubble in there. bubble bubble for uh, about a day. And uh, you know that really did. Uh, it, it, I don't know if that yeah, did it, but it, or the, it's hard to whatever, say. But it, we it did worked. a lot of things to try to fix the problem, and um, and it did go away. Right, it did go away early on in the fermentation process, and there is no hint whatsoever no, it, of it, hydrogen it sulfide fine. or any you know lingering effects from it. So, but it was it was a little, a little scary. Uh, scary, yeah. And yeah. I know some folks have had some more serious problems with that. In fact, uh, I believe one of the solutions is to add copper. Uh, at that point, it's to, in some way, but boy, oh boy, that gets a little—that's a little toxic. That gets a little crazy. I think if I had to get to that point, I don't think I'd do it. I'd let bygones be bygones. Let it ha- what happened was going to happen, and Kesara uh, Sara. <laughs> it was Sara grapes we were dealing. Uh, with. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that one. Uh, went totally, I totally hate explaining my humor over my head. <laughs> Well, when you're dealing with a little Pinot, what are you going to do? You know, you're just going to have to uh, you're going to have to practice this stuff a whole lot more. I just I I can't I can't tolerate this. But anyway, it it turned out. Um, but it was um, well, it maturation for what close to three weeks. Yeah, and uh, you know it finally burned through all the sugar, and uh, then we decided we would do the uh, you know the pressing and. The pressing was a bit of a challenge because I think during that time, I don't know if it was just that the, it, it had thrown more um, of the leaves. Yeah, I think it was probably it was just that mucky leaves. Yeah, in and it, so yeah. we get down to the bottom of the thing and not wanting to throw anything away. We, I mean, we put it all through the press, but it was um, uh, mucky is probably schleppy. the best, yeah, uh, yeah best uh, description there. Or schlep. schlep. I like schlep. Schleppy. Schleppy. It was schleppy. Wow. So we've now Yiddish. got. Two barrels of cab and a barrel of Syrah and uh, various assorted uh, carboys. Uh, carboys. Uh, yeah. We did uh, spend another couple thousand dollars on uh, grapes this year. But, uh, boy, tastes like great stuff coming along. And, of course, just before this whole process, we did all our blending and bottling of last year's uh, vintages. And um, i got to say, I'm really, really excited with what's, what's in the bottle. Our 06 is... Um 
we did a number of blends, as you had mentioned before, and uh, uh, that's a heck of a lot of fun. And we saved some of the 06 to blend with the 06 that's, or 07 that's now in the barrels. But a couple of things in the pressing. We were talking to Tim earlier, and I believe it was Tim's photos that inspired us. We used to press into this silly little oh, flattish stainless now this steel was my pan. genius. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. I said, look at Tim. We got to we got to follow Tim. <laughs> but the specific implementation. Okay, Tim had the concept. Oh, but, you're right. Come on, Extendo give me some leg. Extendo leg. I came up with the invention, the wine invention of the century. In fact, we're going to have to take a photograph. We've got to get extendo. a photo of Extendo leg. <laughs> when the whole Extendo leg tipped over and nearly took off your toe. I thought, you know, he's going to sue me for everything that this invention has made for me. But what we did, and uh, I think it was inspired by Tim, we had previously been, um, you know, the the most wine presses you buy are probably, uh, their legs are about 10 inches long. Yes. And so you got to stick a pretty small bowl or, uh, you know, pail underneath that thing. But if you put it up a lot higher, you can... Um, press right into a you know a five or six gallon bucket or right into a carboy you know funnel that goes into the carboy and so we set up exactly uh, that kind of thing by uh, taking a bunch of two by fours and attaching them to the legs to extendo the legs so now the wine press is uh, 29 and a half inches off the ground and you can go right into a funnel into a carboy you can go right into a six gallon big plastic bucket and uh, so, Tim, thank you for the idea. Yeah, we saw it in the picture, you uh, pressing right into that, uh, looked like a five-gallon bucket, roughly. And anyone and, uh, who wants uh, an extendo leg kit, just mail ninety nine ninety nine to Cellar Dwellers. Ninety nine ninety nine. Care of and Or if you want a, um aeration pump. <laughs> for nine ninety nine. dollars For sulfur. For <laughs> <laughs> if yours is ninety nine ninety nine, the pump is one hundred and twenty two ninety nine. All right, I got to make a little more than uh, that. a little bit of profit. Well, I suppose my materials cost in those legs is <laughs> less than yours. In not uh, by in much. That pump. <laughs> <laughs> but two good ideas anyway to get that press up a little bit off the floor. So you're and, and it plus, makes it a lot more a convenient. Lot, I mean, handling wow. the bucket, the bucket, and uh, with a handle and and pouring that then into our barrels was a heck of a lot easier than this big round, you know, sort of cookie dough, big stainless steel uh, pan that we used to use before. Plus, the other thing we tried to do, and I thought this was my other ingenious idea, but it didn't pan out quite right, was to press into the five-gallon bucket and then use our food-grade quality pump to, um, <laughs> what, are we listening to Churchill here? What, 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 I just what found is it. What I is this? It. What is this? Marconi's first recording? <laughs> listener email. Listener email. See, you, you were a doubting Thomas that we had a listener email theme. And oh, there it is. How convenient to play it in the middle of my talk. <laughs> wait, I'll play it again. Oh, wait, let me get in the middle of something. I never heard that before. You did, too. No, we had that weeks ago. Well, anyway, I was mentioning before Do I have you... to read you the Riot Act? Oh, I think you are reading me the Riot Act. Absolutely. Uh-oh. That Time is a... For... Oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> That's an idiom, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. What an uh... idiot. 
<laughs> wait, wait, the wait. idiot can't hit the idiom thing here. There we go. The numbers guide shall now consult thine holy book of idioms. All right, we're a little bit out of practice at this show, but uh, Go, get, is... get in the middle of it, and I'm going to play a recording of Churchill. <laughs> okay, so the Riot Act is reading this... someone the Riot Act. No, I don't. Someone... I got. I don't even have a guess. Okay, on no, this no, one. guess. Well, at least give me this guess. Uh, what what century do you think it was from? Just give me a century. Reading the Riot Act. Nineteenth century, 1800s. Uh, that would have been off by only a hundred years. Hmm. It was the actually the early 1700s. So uh, wow, people just, rioted back then. Well, I thought they all out walked in, around in dresses and stuff like that. Here huh? you go. It is to warn someone. Of course, that's what the idiom means. Read them the Riot Act in 1714. And by the way, our authority here is Marvin Terban. Marv. The Scholastic Dictionary of Idioms, purchased from Amazon.com, going back maybe about a year. Anyway, that year, the British Parliament passed what was called the Riot Act. It said that if 12 or more people gathered illegally, riotously, or tumultuously, a magistrate could command them to break up and leave just by reading the opening words of the Riot Act. If they didn't leave within one hour, they were guilty of breaking the law and were given a severe punishment. As the years went by, reading someone the Riot Act came to mean a warning to a person in the strongest possible terms of severe punishment if he or she did not stop a certain activity. Ah, so there you go. I know. I, that reading, is one idiom that Marv did a good... I believe that one. All right. So we'll close the idiom with... The numbers guy shall now consult thine holy book of idioms. Or the numbers guy has consulted thine holy book of idioms by Marvin Terban. Thank you, Marvin. Now, what, Thank what you, the Dave. heck were we talking about before you I so was rudely interrupted? <laughs> I was trying to pump the press, the pressing from the five-gallon bucket oh. into our barrels. We were trying to pump it which with was, our oh, food, which was a brilliant idea. It was a brilliant idea. idea because we never would have, in theory, you could have kept pressing, filling the bucket pretty much as, a, as your... Yeah. Draining the bucket, but we have we have the a, world's we have a, lamest wine pump. We have a crapo wine pump. It just it well, it's the, the system just does, can't handle the volume and it and it well, gunks it, up. It's yeah, it's not it the, it's not so up. much the the volume, but the design. It has these two little, uh, little I guess diaphragms. you call them diaphragm membranes. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know they 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 can get uh, clogged up really easily. So. We're going to go hunting. I think I'm pretty happy with most of the winemaking equipment that we own. This, you know, the, the Crusher destemmer is phenomenal. The Wine Thief is extremely useful. I mean, we've got so much good stuff. But the, but that pump could come in handy with when oh, racking real and pump. pressing. Yeah. So, so anyone out there looking to sell a good – actually, I have to bring this up. The, just last night, I don't know if any folks have watched uh, Dirty Jobs. It's a show on A&E or one of those things. Isn't I think it? it's on, yeah. I, I, or History Channel. Yeah, A&E I usually watch or Discovery or Science or something. It's somewhere up there. But anyway. But anyway. Good show. Great show. And last night was on winemaking. And uh, it was a really interesting show. But um, uh, he was doing the dirty jobs of, like, cleaning out the fermentation vats with all the dead uh, skins and seeds and uh, Lees at the bottom, you know, crawling in those big stainless steel tanks and shoveling it out. And there is a lot of work and, you know, labor in uh, commercial wineries. But um, one of the things they had there after their press to pump into the uh, uh, barrels was a real vacuum-forming type of pump. I mean, a totally, I mean, two-inch, inch-and-a-half, two-inch uh, hose on this thing. 
uh, obviously we don't need something that big, but we, we need that type of pump technology, not this little diaphragm that gets gunked stuff. Yeah, I want something that can, uh, you know, blow completely crushed grapes. Blow, right baby, yeah, blow. I mean, we, we saw that in Italy, in fact. They were um, using their, uh, their crusher destemmer, and they had a pump which pulled it right out of the bottom of that and sent it into their, into their fermentation. Oh, bag. yeah, and they're crushing right out in their, their, literally their driveway, the entrance to the place, and the hose is going back into the building, into the barn, and, and up, 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 up into uh, fermentation vats. So these are pretty beefy pumps and a little out of our league as far as what we need or want to spend for, you know, uh, once or twice a year, a couple times a year. But we'll keep our eyes open on it. we find something that works, we'll certainly turn, turn you on to it, you know, if we come up with something that's uh, reasonably priced. Absolutely. By the way, uh, Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Ragnarok is on the show. So uh, welcome, and he is proposing some Ten Commandments uh, to go along with uh, the comments we were making. And uh, my favorite one here is, Thou shalt not drink wine from a screw-top wine bottle if thou can help it. Oh, 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 <laughs> oh. Now, wait, wait, wait. Now, that brings us to some legitimate email. Okay, so I'm going to play the um, You know, you're, you're going to spend 400 years in a desert, buddy, after that comment, <laughs> looking for what. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go to some email here with our Set legitimate... my people free! Wait, no, no, no. <laughs> oh. Email theme. Oh, for, oh this... Gentlemen, <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go. So, Cellar Dwellers listener email. And uh, this one comes in actually from David regarding screw caps, which is uh, why I wanted to uh, to go to it straight away. So David writes in, and by the way, this was October 16th, so we're really behind on email at this point. So apologies to anyone else we haven't answered. Uh, he says, hey, guys, have you made or have you had to make changes in your winemaking technique in order to bottle your wine using screw tops? Uh, and he has a little one-minute segment with a commercial winemaker says that she found it necessary to do so. So uh, let's mm. go to this clip real quick and listen to what she says Who is she? she's had to, uh, to deal with. Well, I think... Um, the cashier at 7-Eleven? Uh, no, I, I believe this is uh, Sandra Oldfield of Tin Hook Creek Winery. But uh, let's go to it and see if we, uh, uh, see if we get that right. But basically, last year, we moved into so um, last year's bottling and this year's bottling, everything went in a screw top, and now you're just seeing it all in the marketplace, again, except for the ice wine. So. Any problem? Any pushback there? Uh, we haven't had a pushback from the people. Um, you know, I mean, the biggest problem I've had with it is just the learning curve, right, uh, from a technical standpoint and from a, you know, making sure the glass is right. And, not to source in a glass. I mean, we, we put our glass order in 13 months in advance, right? So, but the the thing has really been learning how to make wine all over again with the screw top. I mean, you know, right from the harvest day, you change what you're doing um, because, you know, your SO2 levels are different, your oxygen levels are different, your CO2 levels are different. Store it, how high you store it, how you ship it. So it's just, honestly, it was like relearning the whole wine all over again. Wow! Now she didn't tell us in what way. Uh, yeah, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. So why, why are you changing the wine right from the harvest just because you're going to put a screw cap on? Yeah. I could understand the logistics of, of maybe 
storage or shipping or handling or whatever, Maybe, but why are you changing okay. the wine? Well, here's, here's the theory. How about um, a little bit more oxygen because you're not going to have micro-oxygenation after you cork it. You know, screw cap isn't going to allow that kind of exchange. How about... Yeah, but I always get back to this. These are just theories. I okay, mean, you heard what ahead. I heard. Go ahead, go ahead, um, go ahead. Because there is no micro-oxygenation or any other... Um, you know, flow of... Um, There's no other interface with air. Right, and the therefore bottom. SO2 levels probably could be lower or maybe should be lower because SO2 interacting with oxygen tends to decline. So maybe you've got to park that a little bit lower. I don't know. It's It opens up some questions in that she said there's so much that she's having to learn just to deal with a different closure. I don't buy it. What's her last name? <laughs> <laughs> Schnigel Fritz, I don't buy it. And, and, and because one of the theories of where the oxygenation comes from while in the bottle is the amount of air that's in the neck at the time of corking. So if you keep that relatively the same with the screw caps, that shouldn't be an issue. I I I, I don't believe you have to change the wine because you're going to the screw cap. I I I've, you've got to convince me more than that. Your theories were good, but. Um, not buying it. Here's what I found with our wine, though. All right. From a mechanical standpoint, those the the screw caps, the quality of the screw cap that we're buying that you can buy for home winemaking anyway. Uh, there's a real fine point at which you go beyond and you've stripped, in essence, stripped the, the cap itself, and it's no good. And I, the first year that we used some screw yeah, caps, yeah, you can over tighten them and you, yeah, pop you just, the top. It cracks yeah. the. So, of the plastic. so it's obviously just by feel, by hand, because it's nothing mechanical that's torqued out that's you know doing this routinely, and you get a feel for where to stop. Well, we got pretty good at that, but what I've noticed is when I've opened those bottles, that thing unscrews pretty easily, way more easily than a commercial screw cap. But then I looked at a commercial screw cap, and they always have foil or plastic shrink shrunk around the screw cap, which, you know how the commercial screw caps, you actually break the aluminum interface there. It's like dotted all the way around, almost like a perforation. Right, so you can't uh, I think most open of that, and reseal yeah, it. Yeah, I think most of the resistance in commercial screw caps comes from that, which we don't have on our home winemaking. So I think, but I do, I have to tell you that to unscrew those a year or two later it, it, it unscrews quite easily, but I'm assuming it's sealed. It's sealed okay. By the way, Colin mentions that uh, he's been recycling screw cap wine bottles with the cap. And uh, Colin, here's my only uh, qualms or quibbles with that. Uh, I've looked at our caps, and they're sort of a weird design inside the cap itself. It almost has what might be called a little plastic perforated pyramid, and I'm not sure what that's all about, but. I don't think those caps... Or cone. Yeah, cone. Okay, that's... Okay. <laughs> All right, you got me on that one. It's a plastic perforated cone. I'm sorry. Thank you for the improvement there. A little white, uh, you know, sort of clearish plastic. But that uh, looks like it picks up a lot of sediment. Uh, it picks up color. It definitely stains the yeah, ones that we've used. And so, so I mm. love reusing the bottles. You know, clean them and sterilize them and all that. But I'm not so sure those caps, I mean, the caps are 25 cents. A quarter. I'd probably not risk, you know, 3 $4 worth of grapes to a 25-cent cap. So I'd say, yeah, recycle the bottles, but I'd Get take some the new caps. caps. And, and Look, if you need ones. a couple of bucks for the caps, 
contact Dave at Cellar Dwellers. <laughs> and I will I will get Cog to write you a check. And, and we'll you'll send get to it. Holy, for God almighty's sake, spend the quarter oh, on the cap. Boy. You're putting all this love into this bottle. Oh, <sighs> Okay, we'll now, we play. also did something completely wild since the last show, uh, you know, just spontaneous. Um, I have uh, a friend who uh, bought one of those tomato plants that grows these little grape-sized tomatoes. And he came in one day and... Uh, not grape, not grape-sized. Cherry, yeah. Cherry-sized. No, cherry-sized would be bigger. I mean, these are actually... They I'd were that? I, I didn't see them. They were okay. actually grape-sized? They were... You know what? They were grape-shaped, but maybe a little bit bigger than grapes. So they had All right. Like they, they were size of a basketball. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. They're pumpkin tomatoes. But shaped like a grape. <laughs> but they're bigger than your head. Right. What the heck are you right. talking uh, about? I, I only needed one. <laughs> he had one extra. I wheeled it in on a dolly. <laughs> Holy cow. Mr. Nelson, uh, your tomatoes here. Uh, <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Really the truck's coming down the driveway. Oh. Are you sure the top kiln wine is only 14.4% alcohol? All right. So. Where do you want it? <laughs> they were. The tomatoes here. They were grape tomatoes. Maybe large grapes, but shaped like grapes. And Aaron only had one bush. And it, it made... Tons and tons of tomatoes. So he shows up one day and says, Dave, is there anything you can do with tomatoes? And it's like, well, I think we could make wine out of tomatoes. And uh, and so I now know why they don't make wine out of tomatoes. Not but regularly. Although not this regularly. was a nice experiment. You it, added some was, sugar to sort of get up well, to, what, 22 bricks? Well, and that was the problem. I, so I'm, I'm making a grand total of just a little bit more than one bottle of wine. Uh, you know, so it made a little more than 750 milliliters. One to bottle out of one tomato. I <laughs> know <laughs> there were. There were. This was a big Ziploc bag, the gallon-sized bag full of these little cherry grape tomatoes. Okay, ah, there so there go. were a thousand tomatoes, but small ones, and they are so low in sugar that I had to add fully. Now get this: for what was going to be one bottle, 750 milliliters of wine one pound of sugar. So the the starting bricks on tomatoes is about... Wait a minute. One pound? And what was the volume, roughly uh, a gallon bag? When they were in that fermentation, you just had it like in a little bucket or whatever. Would you say it was about a gallon? No, it, less than that. Probably about... Three, I'd say about three quarters of a gallon all in, you know, with the skins and seeds and everything. Now that gives you a concept of how much sugar is in um, wine... Grapes. I mean, when to get to 25 percent, you know, 25 bricks that you've added a I pound, added a full pound, a full pound to that. Yeah. That's and incredible. Yeah, I added uh, actually confectioner sugar since it was, uh, you know, more finely ground. I figured it would dissolve more easily. But the the tomatoes started out at like six bricks, and I had to pump them up to 23 or something thereabouts to get a you know normal uh, starting level. And then um, I thought that they might be too high in acid because, I mean, you think of tomatoes yeah, classically as acidic. Citric acid, yeah. But they're less acidic than grapes, actually. So the uh, You're kidding. No. Who would have thought? I would have lost that in trivial pursuit, yeah. I'll tell you. So, uh, I, but I decided not to add acid just, uh, you know, for the heck of it. The pH was slightly above 4. I actually didn't do a TA on them, so maybe I am uh, misspeaking here. But the bottom line is I threw some yeast in and 
they fermented like that. I mean, they were done maybe because the, they weren't so acidic that that yeast burned through, and it was like five days, and it was all done. Wow. And then I found <clears throat> the next reason that they don't uh, make uh, wine out of tomatoes. You try to prep <laughs> and to separate <laughs> tomato skins and seeds. They just they don't press nicely like grapes press. I mean, grapes, you throw a few of those rice holes in there, and, man, you get a good press. This was a lot of work. And then I had to uh, sort of let the resulting product settle out and pour off the top. And I think that's where I lost a lot. Uh, you know, it just didn't sort of separate as well as, uh, as, as fermented grapes do. But all said and done, uh, ended up with a little more than a bottle, chilled it down. Aaron is drinking his tonight, so we'll have to find out tomorrow what, what he thought of it. But uh, i got to say, it I had wasn't, some. It was, it was it interesting. Wasn't terrible it, it it didn't have off flavors in it it was just different yeah. than what you're used to drinking but it uh, looked a lot like a, a white wine it wasn't red or tomato colored it was uh, maybe a little bit more yellow than a typical yeah, white wine right like a deeper but, yellow uh, but it was it was interesting i mean probably with some good heavy you know italian food you know what would uh, be good with that would be cheese and a salad Ooh, and, and a piece of bread and some of that, that would be interesting. No, I, I, I my hat's off to you for your efforts. I mean, look, there's no, uh, to my knowledge, no commercial tomato wine. It's just something that families and people have done and generations have done. You're just trying to make wine. I mean, there's dandelion wine and anything that you can get to ferment, you know. So I thought you did a good job with that, actually. Well, anyone in uh, Talk Show Live right now, actually, and, and you can join us. Tuesday nights, 9 p.m., <laughs> at least those Tuesday nights we show up. Yeah, once a year. On Talk Show Live. <laughs> uh, anyone on Talk Show Live can see Tim has put a nice little uh, site at uh, scorpius.spaceports.com tilde goodwine slash tomatowine.htm. Just click that. You can uh, go there and find a good recipe for tomato wine. But I think Colin has a good comment here, too. The Italians know what they're doing. They make wine from grapes and sauce from tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> I think now having you made might have tomato put a good wine, perspective on Colin, that. I yeah. think you pretty much nailed it. Yeah, we'll keep it that way. All right. Hey, uh, I see we have um, another uh, listener who has joined us. Uh, I think it's Angela, but uh, goes by the uh, – well, I wouldn't want – how are you going to pronounce that username? Oangela. 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 Oangela and Madness. Madness. I think that's what it is. So, Oangela and Madness, welcome to the show. Sounds like you and me. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, I think... (laughs) Dealing with Madness. (laughs) Okay, you be Oangela, I'll be Madness. (laughs) Uh, Angela, yes, she says. Well, welcome to the show. Yes, we're talking tomato wine and other interesting experiments. Uh, Don't try this at home. But, you know what, it was fun. It was a learning experience. And, you know, it actually worked to make a... A better product than I thought. Uh, I thought it might. All right. Uh, I think that's it for the um, the, the key emails. Uh, again, lots of activity on our uh, sellerdwellers.ning.com site. In fact, I did want to uh, just welcome a couple other folks there. So let's go back to here's uh, Ning. We go to uh, the main page of sellerdwellers.ning. That's n-i-n-g.com, and. Uh, as we jump off all these photos, we can see that uh, Dennis Barton has just joined the site two hours ago. Uh, Jay Johnson joined recently. Uh, Tim has his post on extended maceration. Again, he discussed earlier in the show. And um, I want to go to this one. David Mertz, Alpha King, has uh, replied to a discussion about oak. So uh, this was started by um, Colin, 
And Colin says, last year, this is sort of email. Again, we're starting to do a lot more of this conversation that we might otherwise do an email on sellerdwellers.ning.com. You can post a question. We'll all answer it. So uh, Colin started this. He says, last year I used an oak product which approximated the shape of barrel staves, which I thrust into my carboys. I wasn't happy with that method, however, because the main problem was I couldn't get the wine thief through the neck of these bottles with the staves in the way. Sampling the wine became such a production that I rarely did it, which, frankly, Colin, is the ultimate tragedy. I find that if I don't sample every day, the quality can go to heck. Hence how we go from 500 pounds of grapes to three bottles by the time we bought That's your share, Todd. <laughs> and I do a lot of work on quality control. So um, Anyway, this year he purchased a few bags of toasted cubes in a blend of French and American oak. I don't know if different brands come in different sizes. These are about half inch on the side. So a couple of questions. Have people used these before? Do they float or sink? If they sink, um, I was thinking about suspending them with a cheesecloth bag to keep them in good contact with the wine. Any thoughts? What are other people doing to introduce oak to their wine? Um, you know, he references our barrels, but we've done a lot of stuff other than barrels. Oh, yeah, in, in our carboys. Yeah, we have. Excuse me. Tim came in and says, uh, I've been using oak cubes. They float for a few weeks and they sink, so I uh, can rack and strain them out and uh, transfer them over. I did read that uh, you can use a hops bag and suspend them. And then uh, Alpha King came in and says he's used both the staves and cubes with similar results. Generally, he takes the cubes. And this part I really like, blending American and French oak at different toasts. Smash them with a hammer before adding them to the wine to increase the surface area. And uh, that then approaches what we do with our large 29-gallon uh, barrels. The oak eventually sinks to the bottom. You mix the wine with the lees. And this is the key because we've used um, actually what could be described as sawdust or chips. Uh, you know, we've used different consistencies. Yeah, almost, uh, actually literally sawdust to shavings. Right, and Everything actually, I like it. The, sort of the finer you're you're dealing with by weight, the more surface area you're exposing to the wine. So I say go with the sawdust or shavings or even oak powder if you can find it. Um, and the the trick is just to stir with a hand stirrer. Um, Alpha King says he does it every six to eight months. I'm wondering if that's a typo because, frankly, we do it every few days. And I think again. Maybe with the oak cubes, it's going to take longer. But when you're dealing with shavings, um, by tasting one to two weeks, if you're stirring this daily, I was going to say a month. A month weeks, into that, I don't think you're getting you're any more out of it. You're done, and then you can let it sink to the bottom and uh, rack it off, and, and you're good to go. So it doesn't. It really does not take very long, especially when you're dealing with a, a finer oak product. So um, this now, is now here's a question I'll, I'll, I'll bring up, and I don't know that we have a good way to measure this, but. If you if you took the same wine and aged it in a uh, a 29 30-gallon oak barrel like we do, with that sort of uh, surface area to volume and, and all of the math that sort of goes into that, but it's in there for a year, right? So you're kind of slowly infusing the wine with this oak, and the wine is, let's face it, it's changing during that time. So it's taking some oak on very young. It's taking it on a year later. Is that different... Is that going to, wine going to taste different than if you took that same wine, had it in a carboy, and threw in oak shavings, chips, cubes, whatever you want, but you're going to get the – all you want to do with the oak is, as far as we know, as far as we understand, 
is get oak flavor into the into the wine. So if you the quickest way to do that obviously is increase the surface area. The best way to do that is almost powder or or you know um, these sawdust shavings like yep. sawdust and throw it in there and let that oak dissolve into the wine as as quickly as you can. Now let's say for argument's sake that's a couple of weeks or a month or whatever you want to say. But is that wine absorbing that flavor because it's very young? Does that change the essence of the wine as compared to the wine absorbing it over a year's time where the wine itself is changing as it's absorbing the wine? Do you get my question? No, I I do get your question. I don't know that it matters, but I think it might have just thrown it out. Well, I'm just saying. So you also have to throw in the other differences than, uh, you know, a barrel and you get that micro-oxygenation, whereas if you're in carboys, you don't. uh, we're going to have to obviously experiment with this a whole lot more, but my feeling, and this goes back to a lot of the discussion, we had one of the best shows we ever had was when we had Pierre Benchy on here talking about oak. And um, in the end, uh, my conclusion after listening to him, and he is one of the world's experts in it, is uh, it's not so much the the process, it's simply the exposure, the introduction of the oak to the so wine. So it is and just it getting the oak matter. flavor into the wine. That's my belief, that uh, yeah. you know what, you put in some sawdust for a couple of weeks and stir it around well until it's all you know fully absorbed in the wine. Or put it in a Put in a barrel for a year, barrel. it's pretty much the same thing. You know, the micro-oxygen effects notwithstanding, but I think those are overrated. Now see, I want to believe that. But being passionate about this process, oh, I, know I just you love can't the barrel. believe you love it. that that is as good as say. hugging your barrel. Hug your barrel. Hug your carboys. Your barrels. Hug them. Talk to them. You know, I gotta say, <laughs> I'm not gonna talk to sawdust. Lucky there are no laws against young barrels because we've got some barrels that are <laughs> three or four years old, and the passionate one, well, is <laughs> very passionate. Every time he comes into the into the basement. He's on those barrels. I swear he's hugging them and kissing them. <laughs> Talking and... to them, rubbing their belly. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know. I just, I am just, I am, I'm going to go on the record as saying I don't believe it's the same. Uh, that's me. There you go. I'm I got to say, I'm though, the, the, the burden of caring for those barrels has fallen much more on me than you. The, when that's you have true. an empty barrel, you have to burn sulfur in it every month. You have to rinse it with a first a soda ash and then uh, citric acid and then with the potassium no, metabisulfite no, and I you got to soak it before you put the wine in it and when it's empty you know do you store it with you know water in it in which case you got to sulfite it or dry in which case you got to sulfur it you know with the burning sulfur they're a major pain in the keister to care for and they're only good for seven years so you know and you're paying and seven ten, years is pushing it ten times as much oh, no, I, for I the oak flavor it. you're getting out of them as if you just use you know oak shavings. I want to believe you numbers guy, but i'm I'm going to stay passionate. see this is the beauty. this is beauty and the beast right here <laughs> 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 all right, do we have time for one um uh wine news or or we're almost we've got like two minutes. That's the wine news intro. Take it away there, passionate. You're going to let me do gonna, it. Well, I got a couple here too, but you do I it know, first. But save those for next time. No, I'm, I'm just going to give the headlines. You go first. All right. Do it. This just in. Wait, I got to put my glasses on. 
I'm, I, I'm shocked that you're letting me do the wine news tonight. Happy, but shocked. This from the uh, July issue of Wine Spectator. Oh, you're really digging back into the archives. Uh, it, well, I wanted, that's how long I've been trying to get on the air to give my wine news. It's been since July. The title is Champagne. <laughs> See, this is why I, I you, I, I, our wine news are always different. This headline, I had to share this. All right, Listen read me this. the headline. Just the headline. I don't even really have to tell you what's in it. Champagne protects brain cells from injury. (laughs) Study finds. (laughs) Who does these studies? Louie, we're going to crash into that wall. Give me that champagne. (laughs) I'm going to sprinkle it on my head. I see so. Oh, my God. Those NFL quarterbacks who are susceptible to concussions Concussions. should be having more champagne before the game. Throw that Gatorade out the back dough. Are you you listening, Ben Roethlisberger? Champagne before oh, the get game. Get the Dom Perignon down here, baby. Who uh, now? Oh, what is your protect... authority? What is your authority on this study? Champagne protects brain cells. I'm all for it. Are you kidding me? A headline like I'm that? I'm good with that. No, I, I love, love it. it. You know, I don't even know. I need to give details. It always comes down to one of these crazy polyphenols and antioxidants, and it does something good for the brain cells. I don't even need to know the mechanism. I just have to read that. Champagne <laughs> protects brain cells from injury. You know. Look, if you're going to get hit in the head with a sledgehammer, just grab that fluted glass of the bubbly and whack away, baby. Oh, I can't man. feel a thing. Unbelievable. Hard, oh. hard to believe. I, hey, love, uh, I just love that. That was just That's a good comical. headline. And, in fact, uh, let me throw out a couple of headlines here from uh, – uh, other news we've got. This you, one's you a have, shocker. You have some good ones too. Well, this this is a good one. <laughs> Group plans vineyard on Staten Island, and then you know, as if we did not know, they have to then tell us <laughs> not known for winemaking. Is that the group or Staten? <laughs> <laughs> Probably both. What is this? A rock group? <laughs> and then the first line. How about a nice bottle of Verrazano Narrows Merlot to go with your eggplant Parmigiana? Oh man, that's. Uh, that oh is oh my gosh, that is fantastic. Oh man, I once uh, rode over the Verrazano Narrows Bridge on my bike. It's a lot steeper than it looks. The other uh, and last wine news headline for the night, and I just thought this was like way too cool. The headline is "Wines in the Blood of 26th Generation Winemaker." I mean, could That's you imagine? Awesome. I mean, I am a first generation winemaker. My, well, okay, my parents one time made dandelion wine so maybe i can claim to be a second generation they sent us out as kids to pick dandelions all over the neighborhood and you know they made this stuff that was hideous nobody would drink it i mean i'm I'm claiming second generation though okay but 20 what's 26 generation like 200 years 150 years i mean what what no 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 no. that that, that's uh, you know what i think uh, just roughly being a math guy you would say 24 or five generations equals 100 years right because you know you know, 20 to 25. No, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. No, a generation no, is when no. the babies have babies. No, I know. Okay, so, whoa, whoa, whoa. Here, it's right in the story. 26 generations carries us back to 1385. Wow. 1385. So I should have read that before I said that, huh? <laughs> 600 years. I said 200 years. years. Gosh, it's 600 years. 600 years. Gen- look at that. So it is in the 20 to 25 range. And wow. there's, there's an interesting bit of sociology in there. Uh, this is uh, Alessia Antinori. And uh, is one of the world's most influential winemakers. She's only 34 years old, but I guess when you're 26 generation, people listen. 
you got a little something going for you. Yeah, so there's there's a lot more to that story, which uh, you can go find in the New Zealand Herald at nzherald.co.nz, which is uh, Zealand Herald. <laughs> there you have <laughs> there it. There you go. But, you know, it's interesting because it's in Italy. We were on our trip. We visited that winery where uh, no, that was New Zealand. But it was in Italy. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. The newspapers in New Zealand, the winemakers in Italy. Okay, I'm with you. <laughs> We're on our trip in Italy. The, the oils, sometimes the I do oils from to Saudi Arabia. Try to, to, try to stay with me on this. Sometimes I do listen. Why don't you play that annoying thing while I'm in the middle of talking again that, I, that no one could understand? That, no, no, that we that one we know. That's the wine news. No, the other annoying one you played point. when I was trying to make a point okay. about the pump. Pumping the Go ahead and make your point, the and I'll put it on. Well, yeah. <laughs> let me get halfway through. What okay, was yeah. my point? Move into it. I Did I have no, a point? Something about yes. the Ital- Italian winemaker. Yes, well, what, uh, we, we visit a winery where they they were only commercial for seven years, but yet it was a, about the fifth generation of making wine. Yes, it was. Yes, that, 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 that sounds like, I don't know. I don't know what that sounds like. That was like Marconi. Woodrow Wilson talking. And actually, they were in their first generation of making uh, wine commercially, right? But they had a vineyard that they'd been growing for a long time, I think, selling so, most yeah. of the grapes. But the family, the family was making it right, for, and for finally, generations and probably making some darn good stuff, but of course not aging in oak and all that. And then they said, hey, let's go commercial. I, I just think it's awesome, just on a different level you know, from us little home guys here. Wow, I think we covered pretty much everything. They so as managed a, to waste yet another, another hour and five, ten minutes. Good, yeah, however long it was, it's all wasted <laughs> at this point. Yeah, <laughs> hour five minutes. But let me give you a uh, a quick question here. Uh, this is from the uh, woo, almost spilled that Wine Smarts, which is, um, is it a flashcard game or yeah, something. Yeah, flashcard game. Cool. Uh, the question to you is: Which of the following is the classic wine to pair with caviar? Caviar. Caviar. An aged red Bordeaux, mm. a Sauterne, mm. Champagne, or Manischewitz? Champagne. Oh! I did not know that, and you, you, you ruled. The high acidity of most champagnes works well with the briny, salty notes of caviar. More importantly, the two together are simply quite decadent. While not a wine, we'd be remiss if we did not highlight vodka, which is also an excellent pairing yeah. with caviar. You, you, need, you need to pay more attention to Bond movies. Go ahead. Is that, is yeah, that what, that's where that's I got where that. You, okay. Yeah. But the the part, see, I've had the champagne and the caviar, but I never get the babe. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen your wife. She's, she's pretty oh, much a babe. Well, there we go. I'll give you one last one. And then, right. uh, we do have to go to Alpha King, who uh, joined us uh, on the phone. So we'll go to him in a oh, second definitely. here just to see how his winemaking is going. Yeah, down uh, in Carolina. Champagne or sparkling with oysters is preferred, says Alpha King. Uh, we'll bring you on the air here in one second. I would, uh, I would, I would agree with that. One yeah. other question from Wine Smarts, and we'll, uh, we'll get to the rest of these next time, all uh, 175 of them. If you are switching to a different wine in your glass, it's best to swirl some water into the glass first, true or false. They always do that, you know, which irritates me, but I'll go with true. That one's a false, or so Wine Smarts claims. And here's their advice. Water will actually dilute your wine and isn't very effective at rinsing out the flavors of your last wine. Instead, pour a small bit of the new wine in the glass, 
swirled around. Yeah, and that's what I do. They say dump it. I say drink it. Oh, and yeah. Enjoy I, the blend of the two, that and act, then yeah. pour yourself a glass. Of that actually one. is what I do. I do swirl around the new stuff and exactly, then drink and then it, drink and then, it. And oh, that's an yeah. I, I don't spit anything out. I don't throw no, anything I out. No, I don't spit anything out. I I, I should have. I blew it. That Tim way. Tim had it as false, by the way. So uh, way to go, Tim. He came in there. Oh, good for you, Tim. Time stamp. Yeah, he was. He, I think he. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we we got a give away. A few more, uh, maybe some, uh, I don't know, prizes. We'll, we'll let the, the yeah, listeners I think, chime in. I think we should read the questions All and right. have folks email their, an- their responses and award appropriately at the following show. Okay, a bottle of wine maybe? Well, that's a, maybe they have to win like, you know, a hundred times to get a bottle no, no, of, we, of our no, wine? We'll give away one bottle of wine each show. Each show? I don't know. Let me see if I, I, can I only find have two bottles. Sufficient. <laughs> I have plenty. I have plenty. We owe people wine, by the way. My goodness, we owe people wine. All right. I so. don't think we've ever sent Alpha King in wine. Oh, my gosh. We're sorry. We'll no, get no. To Alpha you. King's had plenty of uh, – we, we have shared some wine oh, with Alpha oh, King. okay. Well, I tell you what. We'll do a, no test, wine for a you. little test question just for the fun of it. One and more. Maybe this one's to listeners. We're not going to answer oh, this until will, next this week. This will be for the – okay. I yeah, like this it. is for some kind of prize to be determined. <laughs> arbitrarily, <laughs> You'll get if a, we remember next show. A talk show, show so pen. You can email us at, uh, email us the answer, your answer, at sellerdwellers at talkshoe.com, and we'll, uh, you know, draw well, you'll from get all a the correct answers. Sort, right. We'll pick something, and maybe it'll just be a mention on the air, you know, honorable mention. Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll maybe get, it'll we'll be a bottle of vino. A bag of, of oak sawdust, something. All right. This one could probably be researched, but uh, I suppose that's true for all of them. Which of the following likely describes a wine made from Cabernet Franc grapes, which is, of course, one of the six varietals that can go into a true Bordeaux blend? Is it A, green peppers and vegetal, not vegetable, but vegetal, uh, B, plum jam with citrus, Mm. C, vanilla and butter, Mm. or D, grapefruit and butterscotch? Hmm. I like the I choices. I think that you've uh, got to you've got to know. Uh, you've got to know. Yeah, you've got to know that grape because you can't out, buy a bottle of wine of Cabernet. Yeah, you know, you're going to have to run out and get some Cabernet Franc and see what you get out of it. So, uh, good question. Yeah, Doctor Matt says don't go cheap on us now. If you want to answer, no, you got to email the answer. Numbers guy was sounding cheap, but no, I, I was I, the one who wanted to give away the wine. I thought an eight by ten glossy of me autographed <laughs> that, with, that with the be, black thing across my face would be cheap. Oh, I like I it. Got to hide my identity. Case. Although now you've posted my face all over the website. You gave my name and social security number. No, out no, one that night. was deleted. That was deleted. Only the live listeners uh, heard that. So before we go off the air for tonight, Alpha King, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, how's South Carolina treating you, and what are you making this season? Well, let's see. Um, South Carolina is very nice. It's like 70 degrees right now. Nice. Oh, you're <laughs> um, Two weeks ago, I got up to Indiana and retrieved all my wine, so it's all now in South Carolina. Oh, you must be feeling a lot more calm and comfortable. Yes. And actually, what I'm working on right now is I got I, I have some sparkling that I got to disgorge over the holidays. So I'm working on that. That was up in Indiana, so I got to... Ah. Work on suspending the yeast cells in the <clears throat> in the bottle to maximize the flavor. Anyone, by the way, who didn't uh, or who 
still has aspirations to make sparkling wine, listen to the show that Alpha King did with us way back when. It's probably about show number 18 or 20, somewhere in that uh, Unbelievable generation. Unbelievable show. A lot of work. I have a new appreciation of sparkling it's wine. It's the longest show we a, ever did. <laughs> but that is a lot of work. Ay, ay, ay. Alpha King, how did you actually get your wine from Indiana back to South Carolina? Is this like a big U-Haul or something? Well, I only had, I thought I had more, but I only had 56 cases to get. And um, I just took a panel truck and drove up and drove back. Gosh, you're still at, what, 800 bottles? I mean, well, you know, it's a fair amount. That's, that's, still... that's only a year or two supply. I mean, I celebrated by I thought I liked wine. I celebrated by having my. I had a '91 Zinfandel, and it was still. It was orange in color, but it was. It tasted pretty good. Wow, that I mean, that's a long time for Zin. That's a long time for Zin. Uh, It is. And now, and Alpha King, just real quick to share with everybody. I mean, are all were all of those wines made from Peter Brem or thereabouts? Um, you know, most of them uh, came from Peter Brem grapes, but I did get, I did buy Central Central Valley grapes from the local uh, wholesale produce place. Oh, the actual. And they grapes. aren't, they aren't, they weren't as, they weren't the quality of grapes that you got from a, a gentleman up in Cleveland. Carl yeah. the Grape Man. Yeah. Yeah, I remember visiting that. That's a really neat place. Uh, you know, when I started making wine, I drove from Columbus up to get some grapes because they were sort of hard to get in Columbus. Yeah, well, you know, even here here in Pittsburgh, uh, uh, I've met and, you know, being in this hobby and and, um, passion here, I've met a number of folks around Pittsburgh that have made wine and most, quite frankly, buy grapes through brokers or distributors in what's called the Strip District in Pittsburgh, which is the the big produce yards uh, historically. And, uh, you know, there's some folks just sort of like Carl up in our our guy up in Cleveland uh, that that bring grapes in for wine making, and they sell bottles and things too there. And these are just like docks down in you know the typical sort of uh, produce yards. But um, nothing has now. Granted, the, these folks don't quite put all of the emphasis into wine making. I mean, they'll sort of crush them and throw them in a vat for a, a few days and throw them into a barrel and they sort of ferment and bubble out of there. But, but even so, some have taken a lot of care to make their wine. And, and I have to say that the quality of the grapes locally in, here in Pittsburgh, and this is a reasonably good sized city, um, just don't compare to what Carl's doing for us up in Cleveland. And it is because he's a little bit more passionate about it and has his contacts in California. And man, that's just crucial. And that's why I asked that because I would rather spend the extra money and get the uh, juice slash um, grapes from Brem in five-gallon buckets than buy grapes, although we're so passionate about getting those grapes in the cartons and, and crushing them. Um, but if you can't get good grapes, man, forget it. Yeah, it's hard to, hard to put a lot yeah. of energy into making wine and, yeah. and w- loving to share what you make. Yeah. If I mean, I'd still drink it, but I really good grape. I'd be a little embarrassed giving some of that away. And but I, how but, much unbelievable feedback have we gotten from people? You know, whether it was just friends yeah. or uh, you know it's business associates, it really is one of the most fun things when you can totally delight somebody with a really unbelievably good 
yet homemade wine, something that is a product of your own hands. I am so looking forward to, to Christmas again this year because I'm telling you what, it's just like uh, uh, people are so appreciative of it, which mi- reminds me the next show we've got to talk about labels, and I think we should have a label contest. If Ooh, folks make labels, on, on, we'll do it on Ning. You can do post, it on, your post labels, it on Ning, and we can definitely give away some bottles of wine for good. Definitely labels. bottles I, of wine I for. I like that idea. Yes, 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 yes. And here's the other part: everyone that participates, um, we'll have to figure out the voting system because um, how, how we'll pick who wins. But uh, if you design labels uh, and can copy them and paste them and send them off to us here and, uh, on the website, I think that should be our Christmas show. Ooh, okay. Some, in some December. Kind of little Christmas yeah, competition Yeah, I think, I think that's really good. I like your thinking. Uh, by the way, welcome David to the show. Welcome Ocean Edge to the show. Oh, David's yeah, on. Yeah, David is on. Uh, David, we've uh, used, uh, of course, your great uh, email and Wine news themes tonight uh, and as idiom idiom alert yes so Which tonight uh, thank by you. the way was read the riot act all of that uh, from uh, David in California and by the way David uh, chimed in with one other correction he says that uh, according to the uh, rules at least 95 percent I think we said 75 percent earlier but at least 95 percent of a wine has to be from the same vintage oh, because I knew it was David that gave us that yeah. from California and, and I. I it's didn't high. know it was that high. And it you know must what? be that's 75 to call it a, a, a varietal. varietal. Exactly. But, uh, uh, that's that's really these, high. These Hopkiln guys rule, and I say especially to the home winemaker, again, another great thing we learned, make different things, different years, save them up, blend them. Don't worry about the fact that it doesn't have a vintage date on it because it will taste phenomenal, just like our old hop kiln big red does uh, good stuff this was very good stuff i really like it Pick all right well another show gone down folks uh, thanks everybody for uh, joining us let's uh, see if we can find our outro theme and uh, next week is thanksgiving happy thanksgiving to everybody we'll be back the, the week tuesday after, after tuesday after thanksgiving is that the first tuesday in december no it's, uh, it's still I think november that's the 27th yeah. Uh, yeah. still november thanksgiving's early this year it is uh, it's always the fourth Thursday of November, but it just happens to be that... Uh, There's five this year. Exactly. I always thought it was the last Thursday because it always was, but I think it's the first time I can remember there being five Thursdays in November. Yeah, well, the, the That's first day of the month was a Thursday, and so here we're getting, yeah, you know, getting, uh, a, getting next Thanksgiving one. on the 22nd, which is as early as it can possibly come. I so, wonder how often that happens. Ooh, once in a blue moon, perhaps. Ah. We'll leave that idiom. Once in a blue <laughs> We're going to leave that idiom for some future show. So I think it's time to call it a day here. But you know what, folks? Get your labels out. We're going to run a little label contest. The Passionate One has come up with a great idea. Start posting them at uh, Ning or cellardwellers.ning.com. And uh, in the end, we'll pick the best and award some prizes. Remember the uh, the question? The question, the about, question about Cabernet, Cabernet Franc. Franc. Describe it. Yep. Tell us what it is. Uh, email us at cellardwellers at talkshoe.com or start a discussion on the forum at cellardwellers.ning.com. And best of all, join us live on Tuesday nights, 9 o'clock Eastern Time. We're TalkCast ID 18. Which we'll be back in two weeks. We'll be back in two weeks. So pretty much every other week uh, when we're in the flow of it. Yeah. I think that's we're, uh, we're back it for into tonight. It Thanks yeah. a lot, everybody, for a great show. We'll catch you next time. Cheers. Do you have the glasses to ding there? I don't. That's how out of it I am. Oh, man. 
I've got to do something. Here, I'll there you go. do it this way. <laughs> Pretty dead. That was more of a dong <laughs> than a ding. <laughs> Why don't you smack two two-by-fours together? <laughs> i got to have some champagne before I do that. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.